Would you pray with me? Come and fill our hearts with your peace. You alone, O Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with our peace. We need you, O Lord, our God. Amen. The Gospel of Luke has this line in it. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. What would that have been like to rest on the Sabbath day, the day after your entire world fell apart? The day after watching the person you loved the most in the world, the one who loved you the most, your rabbi, your friend, the Lord, the one who made blind eyes see and the deaf ears hear and the lame to walk, who fed and taught the hungry crowds and welcomed sinners and outcasts, the one you thought would finally liberate your people, the one you put your hope in and gave everything up to follow. What would that have been like to rest on the Sabbath, the day after you had watched him unjustly tried and convicted and taunted by the very crowds that he had fed and taught and healed, condemned to death and humiliated, mercilessly killed at the hands of the state in cold blood while all you could do was watch helplessly. How could you possibly rest? I mean, what might you have done the day after? Like we all deal with grief in different ways. We might imagine Simon, the political zealot, kicking himself for being naive enough to believe all that Jesus had said about loving your enemies, perhaps making plans to take up arms again. We could imagine Peter, maybe uncharacteristically silent with his head in his hands, full of regret, the sound of that cock crowing in his ears. James and John, once so confident about the place that they would hold in this coming kingdom, now paralyzed with fear for their lives. And maybe the women, you know, just ever practical, thinking about their final act of devotion that they would give to Jesus to anoint his body with spices. Whatever state they were in, the scriptures tell us on the Sabbath day, they rested. Now I've read this resurrection story so many times, but I never noticed that detail before. And it's significant enough that all four of the gospel writers mention it in their story. So I noticed it for the first time a few years ago when I felt drawn to this Jewish practice of the Sabbath. And I've been feeling increasingly convicted about my workaholism and my lack of boundaries, which I often justify because I'm a priest and in ministry. And I sensed that there was some deeper anxiety that was fueling all of my good activity. And so I knew that I needed a spiritual practice that would open up that anxiety 
to the fresh wind of God's grace. So I was attempting to not work for 24 hours on Saturdays every week, which was hard, especially if my sermon for Sunday wasn't done. You know, I'd feel like stressed all day on Saturday because I had this unfinished task in front of me that I had to hold off on, on until the wee hours of Sunday morning. I totally didn't do that this morning. And, um, and really, what's the point of the Sabbath if you're just stressed and anxious all day and not resting? So it's important for us as we think about this story to consider what the Sabbath was for the people of Israel. So Genesis 1 tells us that the story of creation begins in darkness and chaos. And then you hear God say, let there be light, and there was light. And in this creation story, God continues to create day after day for these six days. And each day is marked by this phrase, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. There was evening, and there was morning the second day day after day until the seventh day where it says in Genesis 2, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And that phrase, there was evening, and there was morning, isn't there. It's like a day that doesn't end. So on the seventh day, creation is brought to completion when God rests, not because God is tired, but because rest is a sign that the work is finished. Now in Deuteronomy 5, it says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded it has commanded you. On it you should not do any work. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You know what free people can do that slaves can't? Rest. Slaves can't rest because they're not free. And for the people of Israel, the Sabbath was this reminder to them that out of all the nations of the earth, that the God of the universe loved them and chose them to be God's own, that God heard their cries and delivered them from their bondage to slavery in Egypt. So the Sabbath was rooted in Israel's covenant relationship with God as their creator and their redeemer, the one who freed them. And throughout their history, whether it's in war or exile or persecution or suffering, Israel rested on the Sabbath. It was this prophetic sign in this world of something greater than the empires that oppressed them and controlled them. It was greater than their fear. Olga Finn tells a story about how her mother, separated from her husband during the Holocaust, would light Shabbat candles every Friday night made out of margarine in Auschwitz as the smokestacks burned. And afterwards, when she survived, she would say that it was her Shabbat candles that kept her alive. The rabbis say that the Sabbath is a reminder of two worlds, this world 
and the world to come. And in fact, the Hebrew word menuha for rest is considered a synonym for the life in the world to come, eternal life. The rabbi Abraham Heschel says that the Sabbath is the name of God. The Sabbath has a way of embodying God like nothing else. We live within the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a testimony to God's presence. We anticipate a messianic error that will be a Sabbath, and each Shabbat prepares us for that experience. On the seventh day, God stops and rests because the work of creation was brought to completion. But it was this day that didn't end. And perhaps for the disciples on that Sabbath day, after the worst day of their lives, it felt like a day that didn't end until the first day of the week. At early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. You see, the disciples thought that the tomb was the ending to the story. But God, in God's wisdom, in the very foundations of creation, planted the seed of the Sabbath on a day that didn't end until this morning, the first day of the week, the first day of the new creation. And the good work that God began in creation, it finds its completion and fulfillment in Christ when he said on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. And death started to work backwards. And we know how this story ends. In Revelations 21, where the Apostle John says, Then I saw a new heavens and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is with mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. It's the true Sabbath rest of God. The Anglican scholar um, N.T. Wright talks about how Christianity isn't about good advice. It's about good news. Something happened, Jesus died and rose again, and because of that, something will happen, God making all things new. And because of those two realities, now in this in-between time, everything is different. And he writes, Jesus' first followers didn't think for a moment that the kingdom meant simply some new religious advice an improved spirituality, a better code of morals, a freshly crafted theology. They held to a stronger and more dangerous claim. They believed that in the unique life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the whole cosmos had turned the corner from darkness to light. 
And that first Easter was the first day of the new creation, the Sabbath day that never ended. The whole cosmos has turned the corner from darkness to light. How shall we then live? Because we live in a world where people shoot people on the subway in New York City and on the other side of the world in Ukraine. And we live in this world to come at the same time. To live in only one world would be to despair. To live in only the other world would be to escape. On the Sabbath, the Gospels tell us, Jesus fed and healed and taught because he lived in two worlds at the same time, a world of hunger and sickness and evil and death and a world of abundance and goodness and wholeness and life. It takes courage to light a candle in the darkness right now. It takes courage to hope when there's so much cause for despair looking around at our world. It takes courage to bless when there's so much reason to curse. It takes courage to rest in a world of anxious toil. In our Episcopal tradition, Easter is actually not just one day. It's not just Easter Sunday. It's a whole season. We, we go hardcore with Easter. It's longer than Lent, 50 days long, because you need feasting longer than fasting to remember what is the greater reality. And so what might it look for you to take up a practice this Easter season that helps you to live into this reality, to live into the reality of the resurrection, to live in the Sabbath of God as a prophetic sign in this world, of the world to come. Maybe it's actually practicing the Sabbath, as our Jewish friends do. 24 hours where you stop and you rest from work, you stop from the things that keep bringing you anxiety, like technology, and you delight in God and the world that God has made to remind yourself that you are not a slave held in bondage to fear, but that you live in freedom. And by this practice, you embody that inner posture of trust that heralds that good news in our world. You know, I feel like this is so important. I don't want you to leave this place without just reflecting on that, just for like a minute. I want to give us a moment of silence for you to ask yourself that question. What might it look like for me to practice over these next 50 days what it means to live in the reality of Jesus' resurrection? How can I live in this new creation, this Sabbath, in a world that is so broken and full of fear? as a courageous and loving prophetic sign of the world to come. Let's just take a few moments, just reflect on that question before God.
Jesus, today we celebrate this first day of the new creation. And we hear your call to live and to love the same world that crucified you. And so God, help us to go with hope in your power and in your love, hearing your words when you said to your disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, rest in God, rest in me. Be not afraid, for I have overcome the world. And as we live in this Sabbath reality, God invites us to stand in the gap for our world and to pray. And so I invite you now to look in your bulletins at the prayers of the people and we're going to pray. If you have specific prayer requests, you can take a picture of that QR code as we still have um, members who are joining us online. And you could just type your prayer requests into the live chat, even now. And let us pray and stand in these two worlds as we lift up these prayers. Jesus Christ is risen today, our triumphant holy day. Alleluia. So let us pray to our Lord, saying, to you we offer praise eternal. Alleluia, alleluia. Heavenly King, for us you endured the cross and the grave. When we were yet sinners, you redeemed and saved us. May we sing your eternal praises everywhere we go. To you we offer praise eternal. Alleluia, alleluia. Incarnate love, where hearts are wintry, grieving or in pain, call forth new life by your touch. Bring forth life in the barren places of our world. To you we offer praise eternal. Alleluia, Alleluia. Author of life, you are the ruler of creation. All things created on earth sing your glory. From the death of winter, raise the fair beauty of the earth. To you we offer praise eternal. Alleluia, Alleluia. Living Savior, you hold the future. Bless and restore our families, our communities, our world, our children. Though we may face uncertain days, we trust ourselves to the certainty of your endless and eternal love. And again, we invite you to add your petitions into the live chat. God, we pray prayers for Joe and his three boys. Would you bless them in Jesus' name? We pray for Grand Rapids and the family of Patrick Loya, who was killed by police. We pray for all victims of state violence. We pray for John Barry, that you would complete his healing over cancer. We pray your prayers of love and hope. We pray for Ezra Huang, who is in the NICU, that his heart may strengthen and beat on its own. We pray prayers for his parents and siblings as they wait in hope to bring him home.
We pray for Nancy Owen, that you would give her complete healing in the name of Jesus. We pray prayers of comfort and peace for Aaron Mora's family and friends as they mourn her loss. We pray for wisdom and leadership in our country. We pray prayers for the Lacander family. Would you bless them today in the name of Jesus? And God, for all these prayers, um, prayers for Mark that he gains strength in his time of need. God, we pray these prayers, even those that are being typed into the live chat right now, God, both seen and unseen, spoken and unspoken. And to you we offer praise eternal. Alleluia, alleluia. Jesus, the great healer, pour out your balm on our souls and the souls of all in pain or sorrow. Be the source of life for all people. 